Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Scaling back your business was hard. Getting back may be harder. Penske can help get your business up to speed with confidence. While some supply chains have ground to a halt and others have struggled with heavy demands on speed and volume, Penske was working, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered, giving them unique insight into the most challenging demands. See how Penske's practical innovation, custom logistics, leasing and rental fleets, and frontline experience can help at GoPenske.com. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to discuss how logistics companies have adjusted their operations to keep supply chains up and running during this coronavirus pandemic. Many companies' carefully engineered freight networks have experienced significant disruption during this public health crisis, with some freight sectors slowing down dramatically, while others have seen a spike in demand. At the same time, it's more important than ever for essential freight to reach its destination in a timely manner. So how are third-party logistics providers adapting to meet these challenges? And how will this crisis change supply chains in the long run? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode. To do just that, we're going to speak with executives from a pair of 3PLs about their experiences during this pandemic. Later in the program, we'll bring in Albert Lee, Chief Technology Officer at Odyssey Logistics and Technology. But first, I'm excited to welcome Andrew Lynch, President of Zipline Logistics. Thanks for joining the program, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So Zipline is a 3PL that specializes in consumer packaged goods, uh, food and beverage, and healthcare. And of course, all those categories have been really important uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm curious to hear about your experiences in the past few months. Uh, what have you seen in terms of demand, uh, freight demand, as this pandemic unfolded? Yeah, it's been a, um, a really interesting time, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, I, what I can say is that we uh, really counted ourselves very lucky to be um, in a business that was focused on, on consumer goods. Uh, we found ourselves, you know, pretty well uh, mitigated away from from uh, the downside risk in the industrial sector. What, what we saw, um, you know, as as the shelter in place uh, concerns started and, and that panic buying that, that we saw uh, in March at, uh, at at big box retailers and grocery stores, um, that played out for us uh, in about a forty percent increase in uh, shipping volume. While even even while some of our largest customers that were in the traditional retail space, you know, think you know, really kind of brick and mortar mall retailers uh, were shutting down and, and really kind of halting operations. So, um, you know, we saw, um, you know, everything from snack foods uh, to, you know, sort of, um, you know, alternative, uh, alternative dairy, alternative, you know, plant-based meat, 
uh, plant-based um, products of, of all kinds, actually. Uh, we saw the demand for those products go through the roof. We saw a lot of dry goods um, and, uh, and packaged beverages um, uh, flying uh, onto the shelves in our case uh, throughout March. March was um, an absolutely uh, enormous month from a volume standpoint. Um, April really, you know, really corrected itself. Um, I think April was where we, you know, we really saw um, kind of nationwide shelter in place. Um, we, we, we did see, you know, still steady orders. Um, you know, our, our volumes remained about, uh, about 10%, 15% over prior year April. Um, and we've seen May um, uh, come through uh, significantly stronger than April already with, with uh, the shelter in place, you know, orders starting to ease up. Got it. And I think that uh, so another really good example of how uh, your experience during this pandemic is really uh, in many ways contingent on the, you know, the segment of the economy in which you're operating and you know, what your customers are producing and shipping, uh, you know, and, and you know, food and, and packaged goods. Of course, we've seen, you know, the, the spot, that initial spike in volume. Uh, but then, you know, you look at, uh, as you said, the industrial sector and manufacturing a lot of stores or uh, and and manufacturers that were either, either closed or, or ramping down production uh, were hit a lot harder uh, and you think about you know fuel delivery you know the energy sector so there's really just a, a, a range of different experiences uh, I do want to ask you a little bit more about uh, that early you know time frame more in the February to, to March time frame when there was a lot of hoarding you know a lot of panic buying on the part of consumers as they were preparing to hunker down during the pandemic. Uh, do you think people still have large stockpiles in their pantries at this stage? And uh, how is that going to affect freight demand moving forward as we get deeper into the year? Yeah. Um, you know, I know that I don't personally have a large stockpile still. And uh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, try to uh, speak for the entire, uh, you know, consumer sector. But I do think that we're going to see um, at least again, kind of in the CPG space, I think we're going to continue to see steadily climbing volumes. Um, what I think is, is the more interesting dynamic uh, with regard to that is less about whether or not people still have large stocks of certain products. Because, yeah, you know, you, you, you might, you know, King Arthur flour had that, ex, you know, explosive period. You might still have a lot of that flour left over. <laughs> Um, you know, but, but your cereal and your, your milk and, and your eggs and, and even your, um, you know, your Oatly, one, one of our, our clients is a, an oat milk product that, that is outstanding. And they saw a greater spike in demand than hand sanitizer saw. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you, you might've gone out and, and bought, you know, five or six, uh, cartons of that product to make sure you could get through the shelter in place. But, um, you know, the, the nice thing about shipping perishables is, you know, everything kind of has to be restocked at some point. Sure. Um, but I think what's more interesting on, on where that demand is moving is that we're seeing so many more people, uh, even after, you know, these restrictions lift, continuing to, you know, eat at home, cook at home, focus more on uh, preparing their meals at home and making their cocktails at home. We, we manage fever trees transportation and they're like a really, really high end, really high quality mixers. Um, and their sales have, have been, you know, really outstanding because man, I used to go to my favorite restaurant and they'd make me a, you know, an old fashioned or a, you know, a gin Ricky or something that I, you know, 
I never bothered to make it home, but Hey, now if I'm going to have my, my, you know, if my date night means, you know, just going into the, into the, the dining room instead of in front of the TV, uh, I'm going to make my cocktail at home. So, um, we're seeing a lot of really interesting sort of consumption patterns, um, shift. And I, I think we're going to continue to see that moving forward. Obviously, it goes without saying that this pandemic has been very disruptive to supply chains with all the volatility. Uh, but what would you say are the biggest challenges that your company has encountered during this pandemic? You know, what are the biggest disruptions, the biggest challenges to overcome? Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest one, and it, it it was something that we we sort of we spotted quickly enough to I think be able to kind of retool our our, our operating processes to solve it, but. Um, you know, when you're dealing with, with retailers, big box, you know, Walmart, Costco's and, um, you know, uh, grocers like Kroger and, and CNS stores, um, there are these big, you know, really, really, really well, fine, finely tuned operations. And they have incredible professionals that, that work there at every level, but they can be siloed, right? So the buyer, um, you know, may have, uh, you know, a demand to bring in product um, you know, ASAP, maybe ahead of due date, or at least on due date, a traditional due date, where the boots on the ground, the folks in the distribution centers are saying, hey, we can't take any more product, right? So um, we've got, we had customers that would say, hey, my buyers tell, my Costco buyers tell me they need this product, you know, Monday, drop dead, you know, it, it has to be there. And we're talking to the guy at the DC and he's like, I can't take you till next Wednesday uh, because we're slammed. Um, and so that 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 dislocation uh, really requires um, you know a, a sort of a new level of operating efficiency and a new level of of um, you know kind of communication paradigm where we started feeding to our customers proactively. Hey, these DCs, these 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 buyers of yours, they are slammed. They're way behind on you know when they can receive these products. So. Maybe don't stage this shipment. Maybe don't, you know, maybe don't, don't produce this product just yet. Um, so I think there was a, a lesson to be learned on, you know, sort of the, the communication protocols for, for these like, you know, really heavily kind of distributed supply chains. Sure. And I take it that some of these challenges have contributed to driver detention time going up at shippers and receivers facilities. You know, we've been hearing anecdotally about that uh is that uh, does that uh, match what you've been hearing and seeing yeah yeah it does and and um you know it's 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 very understandable um you know i think you know when i think you know back kind of in the 2017 days we were sort of blaming shippers and saying ah like how could you hold our trucks you know do better at planning this time around like it's really kind of nobody's fault you know you've you've, you've got kind of labor shortages and um, you know, people don't always show up on the, on the day they're supposed to show up because they, you know, they come in and they, they've got a fever and they have to be sent home. But, um, you know, what, what has been really uh, challenging about that has, at least in, in our experience, has especially been um, on the LTL side. When you think about an LTL driver that runs around and makes deliveries in the morning and then runs around and makes pickups during the day. Well, you know, if all of a sudden there's an extra 30 minutes tacked onto a few of those deliveries, or an extra 30 minutes tacked onto a few of those pickups. Now it's really hard for you to get all those pickups in on time or, or, um, or maybe the, maybe the information isn't flowing as clearly and, and more product, you know, got put on your truck than you were told was supposed to. And now you don't have room for that next, next pickup. So we've had to kind of retool the way that we, um, 
the way that we deal with LTL um, during this because, you know, on the pickup side, it's become such a challenge in certain areas that we're saying, all right, well, you know, where we used to rely on, you know, a, a really cost-effective network of five or six different, you know, LTL carriers, we're going to pare it down to two or three, and maybe maybe we're going to run our, our own our own truck to pick up um, and run and drop off, do more of a you know do more of a dropship program, um, even at, at you know at, at multi pallet sized order sizes, uh, just to just to kind of solve for some of that some of that that dislocation. Scaling back your business was hard. Getting back may be harder. Penske can help get your business up to speed with confidence. While some supply chains have ground to a halt and others have struggled with heavy demands on speed and volume, Penske was working, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered, giving them unique insight into the most challenging demands. See how Penske's practical innovation Custom logistics, leasing and rental fleets, and frontline experience can help at gopensky.com. And I also wanted to ask if you've um, may have encountered any ripple effects from uh, some of the meat processing plants that we've heard of uh, shut down temporarily due to uh, COVID nineteen outbreaks at their facilities. I don't know if you've seen any ripple effects from that in your operations. You know, we actually have not. Um... And I think, you know, one of those, this whole thing, um, uh, you know, I know it's not what everyone's used to, but for me, it's really, it's been kind of this God bless America moment where like, you understand that our food supply chain is, is, um, you know, really pretty hard to break. Um, and so, you know, no, we, you know, I, I keep reading about these, these happening and, and we don't, we don't do an enormous amount in like the fresh meat space. Um, so that, you know, it, it could be because we're just, you know, again, kind of by dumb luck sort of insulated from that. But, um, you know, we, we really haven't seen, um, a lot of challenges that have, that have spawned from those shutdowns. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I do also want to talk to you about market conditions and trucking right now. So overall, of course, if you look at, you know, uh, freight, uh, you know, across all industry sectors, uh, freight is down, of course, due to you know, so much of the economy that's been shut down, or, or at least moving at a slower pace. So uh, naturally, of course, we see this excess uh, freight hauling capacity in the market right now. Uh, so just how severe is that capacity glut? And what's it going to take to return to balance uh, at some point in the future? Oof. Yeah, that, um, that's a complex question. I think that the, the capacity glut um, right now is, is really, really steep. Um, you know, I, I, I think that before, uh, the, the, the economy started shutting down, we, you know, we were already, you know, pretty clearly in a place where there was, you know, probably a, you know, a, a hundred thousand or so too many trucks on the road. Um, and it was, it was making it so that, um, you know, upward pricing pressure was, was really, really difficult to find. Um, uh, you know, we're starting to see some some signs of capacity tightness, uh, in certain areas, right. Certain areas that are, that are heavily affected by, by produce. Um, and, and some of those areas that are also going to start to, uh, have an, you know, an influx, um, in volume, uh, due to, due to imports. Um, and that, that's going to sort of coincide with, with produce. 
But um, I think we've got to, I mean, you know, if we were talking strictly in terms of trucks coming off the road, you probably need a half million trucks to come off the road. Um, you know, if we're talking in terms of a, you know, a combination of, of demand side and, and supply side, uh, you know, rebalancing, um, you know, I think as we head towards, um, towards 1Q, uh, maybe Q2 of, of 21, that we'll start to see a, a, a more balanced uh, environment. Certainly a lot of adjustments to get back to um, some level of equilibrium and we'll see how it all plays out. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, of course, a lot of carriers are under a lot of financial strain right now, uh, especially in some of those industries, uh, segments that we discussed earlier, uh, more on the industrial side. But uh, I, I want to get your thoughts as to, you know, what can you as a 3PL do to, to help support your carriers, you know, and help them get through this crisis and support their employees? You know, of course, we're, we're all, uh, every, everybody in the supply chain is facing some level of challenge, but uh, is there anything you can you see that you can do to help support the carriers out there? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that there's something that that you know, pandemic or not, um, I think a you know something that's always been a little bit toxic about the 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 kind of three PL carrier relationship has been, um, you know, early in my career, I was I I was uh, a part of a, a larger three uh, PL before I started my own business, and I, you know, the 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 use of leverage on carriers, not necessarily just to control pricing power, but also to sort of try to try to um, uh, facilitate uh, that carrier providing a service that maybe they wouldn't normally provide or running a route or a lane that they wouldn't normally run. Um, and I, I've always seen that as something that's that's toxic to our business. There's a massive network of, of capacity providers out there. Um, and I think it's just a little bit of extra elbow grease on the 3PL side to make sure that your um, you know, that you're working those folks into your business where it makes sense for them, right? Try to create win-wins as often as possible. And um, that's been our operating mantra at, at Zipline from the get-go, not, you know, because of some sort of, um, you know, empathetic uh, situation, but because we just think it's better business and it, and it helps us run a more efficient operation when people are, you know, being facilitated and allowed to do uh, the things that are, you know, that, that meet their best interests too. So um, I think really focusing on that um, is an important, an important step that we can all take. Um, you know, with regard to rates, uh, there's, there's a lot of noise, uh, you know, right now around, you know, how, how rates are, are affecting, um, you know, carrier costs. And, and, you know, it's true that it, it's, it's tragic that, um, you know, the, the current rate environment uh, in a lot of scenarios is not enough to cover uh, the cost of, of capacity. Um, I don't think that you can point a finger in any direction on that. Um, but, uh, but hopefully uh, that we have at least conscientious enough uh, 3PL providers that are only pushing rates down to the extent that they're, you know, pushing their, their charges to their shippers down. Um, you know, that, that has, has certainly been, um, you know, I think kind of the, the, the happy middle that, that some of the arguers on, on either side of that, that debate have been able to find is that, hey, look, I'm, I'm lowering your, your rate because I'm also lowering mine. Um, so, you know, trying to keep that fairness in mind. And, you know, just before I let you go, Andrew, I, I want to get your thoughts also on the, you know, the longer term impact of COVID-19, you know, in our industry. Uh, so obviously we're going through this right now, but, 
hey, let's look ahead a little bit. You know, what lasting or, or permanent changes even uh, do you think might come out of this, uh, even after the pandemic is behind us? Um, well, I, I, you know, I think of the pandemic as an accelerator, you know, not, not so much a change agent, but, but, you know, an accelerator of change. And I think that, um, you know, in the logistics space, I think for, for quite some time, really, you know, kind of price transparency, um, and, and price discovery, it's, it's been, it's been relatively, um, ubiquitous, right? I mean, it's pretty rare that somebody out there is buying capacity a whole lot cheaper than I am. Um, or that I'm buying capacity a whole lot cheaper than somebody else. And I think that what, what I've started to see shippers buy more and more is not, you know, the concept that I can go save $25, you know, by shifting my, my business over to this person. Uh, but it's that I can gain X amount more value by working with this person who understands my industry or understands my needs better, or is willing to, to provide me with, you know, greater market insight or, or business intelligence. Um, and that, that, um, that, that we become much more of a integral partnership with our, our shipper partners, um, as opposed to just, you know, vendors with rates and trucks. Um, I think that, uh, at least I hope, you know, there are a lot of businesses, um, of all sizes in this industry that are, that are, you know, kind of built themselves on the concept of, you know, kind of rise and grind and I'm going to hustle and I uh, you know, I'll, I'll outwork the next guy. And I think that's all become table stakes too. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what I hope to see on the, on the backside of this is, um, you know, a, a more transparent marketplace where, uh, the value added services that, that, you know, true operating partners bring to the table, uh, have a, you know, a, a, a monetizable value. Um, and that the folks that are just, you know, rates and trucks. And I think to some extent that includes, uh, the DFM guys that um, have quite honestly just been burning VC cash uh, for the last couple of years. Um, you know, that, that there's a, a little bit of a reckoning around that. Hey, we will see how this all plays out. Um, you know, this is uh, something that uh, the industry will get through. And uh, it's, it's interesting to think about what it's going to look like on the other side. And, you know, we really appreciate you sharing your thoughts about, you know, how you've experienced this at your company and and where you think we're going. So uh, thank you again uh, for joining the podcast and, and sharing your insights. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Next on Road Signs, we're excited to welcome Albert Lee, Chief Technology Officer for Odyssey Logistics and Technology. Thanks for joining the program. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start by discussing your company's experiences during this COVID-19 pandemic. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges that Odyssey Logistics has encountered during this very disruptive event for the whole industry? So we've certainly been tested, but uh, I would say our biggest challenge is just moving 100% of our office-based workforce to being remote. Uh, most companies are really prepared for a portion of their employees to be remote at any time, but this is the first time that we've 
really said, okay, if you're not essential in the office and you can do your work from home, you're going to have to do your work from home. And uh, that meant getting a little creative. You know, it was uh, really an opportunity for us to look at everyone's roles, look at the equipment that they needed. We didn't necessarily have laptops for everyone. So we had to ask the question, should they use their personal computer? Should they use a uh, Chromebook or, or some other uh, device? And, uh, you know, we really spent a lot of time and uh, had to reacquaint everyone with uh, the idea of uh, working from their living room or working from uh, from a second bedroom. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm recording this podcast from a second bedroom. Uh, usually we have a very nice studio in our in our office, but uh, uh, even for podcasting purposes and, uh, of course, trucking companies and logistics companies have all been finding ways to make it work from home. Um, you know, I also want to ask you about, you know, how this has affected your clients. You know, you have logistics clients in a range of different industries. Uh, from your vantage point, which business sectors were hit the hardest and uh, which have fared better? So, uh, you know, obviously everyone's had to adjust due to the uh, economic hit of COVID. And really, we were no different. We were obviously impacted in areas where trade was restricted and we were impacted in areas where manufacturing was deemed non-essential. But it was a uh, really a testament to how Odyssey works. And, uh, you know, we're not a, we're not a one trick pony. We have tremendous diversity in what we move. And when some areas slowed down, we could rely on other lines of business to pick up. We're uh, very well positioned going in and we're going to be extremely well positioned coming out of this. And of course, uh, Odyssey is, isn't just a logistics company, as you're referencing, you know, you're also a company that's really invested in technology. Uh, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, where that part of the industry is headed. You know, we, we go, we're going through this, this just huge historic event with this pandemic. And how do you think it's going to shape the development of supply chain technology in the years ahead? The ones that are coming out of this pandemic are going to be the ones that are going to continue to invest in technology. It's, uh, you know, they always say the next uh, great frontier in logistics is uh, this idea of freight tech. Uh, it's, uh, you know, combining technology with, uh, you know, brick and mortar operations. And, uh, you know, look. Tools like this have existed for shippers and carriers alike for years and years. The old economy, it used to be, you have a job, you're going to work harder, just do it faster and better. We don't need to spend money on technology to make your job easier. And that new economy is now, you know, how much business did you lose because you weren't integrated with a shipper's ERP? And how much business did you pass up because you were still trying to do it with phone and fax and everyone else has moved on to API-based contract and tendering? Right. So, you know, I think the the investment here is really just going to be in continuing to buy into proper supply chain technology. And uh, I think the best part of that of all of this is that this is a this is a world that's ripe with startups. And I think we're going to see a lot of different solutions. Uh, we're going to see a lot of different uh, ways to solve the pain points of the industry that we discovered in the last uh, several weeks. And, you know, when we talk about the future of freight transportation, you know, a lot of that conversation, uh, you know, we, we talk about artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, uh, you know, even the potential for blockchain applications. You know, the, the hype there has died down a little bit, but it's still intriguing to think about, you know, how it could apply to transportation. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts. You know, what, what emerging technologies do you think the transportation industry should really be considering, you know, both now and into the future? So obviously this is a data-driven business and I think most people have realized now that uh, 
you know, doing your forecasting on spreadsheets and, uh, and, and doing reports is, is really, that's not going to solve the problem. And uh, you need to move faster. You need to have better analytics. And, uh, you know, I think that can come from a number of different sources. It can come from artificial intelligence-based tools that will help reduce errors and help you control costs. Uh, and uh, there's obviously going to be greater tools that are going to help you predict outcomes as well. And, uh, you know, the, I think the biggest part here is there's going to be a te- tendency here to fight the system. And that tendency is very natural. I, I, I know better because this is my industry and I have a really good sense of what's going on. And I think that attitude has to change that in order for a lot of these tools to be really effective. So, you know, yeah, there are going to be a ton of great tools out there that are going to help you forecast better, help you analyze your data better, and help you make strategic decisions. But on the flip side, it's got to come from the top. It's got to come from all angles of the organization. You have to be willing to change how your business works to succeed with these tools. You can't fight it. Yeah. Um, now, that's very helpful as we, we think about the future. And, um, you know, maybe a flip side of that, unfortunately, is this uh, pandemic has put a lot of uh, financial strain on a lot of shippers, uh, you know, logistics providers, and of course, uh, carriers as well. And, you know, I'm just wondering how much is that going to hurt technology investment in our industry moving forward? How much is it going to slow it down? You know, do you think companies are just going to have to tighten their belts out of necessity or uh, do you still see them uh, finding ways to invest in the future? Uh, you're going to have to find ways to invest, right? So I, the, uh, the way I look at it is if you emerge from this pandemic and you're still in business, you did something right. The survivors, though, are going to be working in a very different market. It's going to be hyper-competitive. The pandemic has really showed you all your weaknesses, and you're going to have to continue to invest to keep keep pace with your peers. And I think that's the... uh, that's the really the moral of the story, right? If you didn't have great planning tools going into this, you're going to need great planning tools to continue to uh, evolve in this market. Absolutely. Now, before we finish, I do want to get just a little bit more perspective from you on uh, the long-term impact of COVID-19. So uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, lots of office workers have transitioned to working from home during this pandemic, you know, but what happens afterwards? You know, how many uh, how much more common will it be, you know, for people to, to stay at home? Uh, what do you think on that? You know, is, is homework going to be uh, more and more common in this industry? So, uh, you know, I'm going to be uh, a little bit uh, out there and I'm going to say, you know, this work from home stuff, uh, you know, it can only work for so long. And uh, anyone that tells you that a Zoom call is just as an effective, just as effective as an in-person meeting, they're lying to you. It's It's a it's a good band-aid for a very, very difficult situation. And I think, yeah, sure, we need to adapt uh, for the near term to maximize safety. So sure, we're gonna be working from home a lot more just to make sure everyone's okay. Safety's first, right? But that that's gonna be kind of the end of it. You know, We're gonna have to start calibrating better and uh, we're gonna make some decisions. Some things are gonna need to be meetings. Some things are gonna need to be calls. And some things can be done by email, right? So maybe that five time a week routine may not be necessary. But here's my counterpoint. You know, without moments of human connection, you're going to lose the thing that makes your business the best, right? The corporate culture and your corporate identity. When people talk about Odyssey, they need to know that there's people behind it. And those people are are working together, sitting together as a team. And I'll be honest, I, 
I can't wait to be spending more time with my colleagues. I'm, I'm here in the office. I saw my CEO earlier today. I saw the chief operating officer. I saw our VP of HR. Um, and uh, we're here because we need to work together. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's, it's just so much harder to collaborate when, you know, you're in all different, uh, you know, uh, you're all at home or even in, in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. It's, it just makes it tough. And, and there is no true substitute for that, uh, that interaction. Uh, another piece of this I wanted to ask you about is uh, inventory management. You know, I know that, uh, you know, of course, early on in this pandemic, there were uh, huge spikes in demand for some staple goods, some you know, consumer packaged goods uh, that were off the shelves for a while. And of course, we've been moving as an industry toward more, you know, lean supply chains, uh, nimble supply chains. Uh, do you think that's going to change at all as a result of this pandemic? It might change a little bit, but it, I mean, ultimately, the the global supply is generally very level and predictable, right? The spikes and dips are almost always panic-driven events. And so I think what was really missing was people weren't really listening to what was happening. And if you look at the history of the pandemic, there were a lot of signs early on that a lot of people chose to ignore. And so... Uh, you know, if you're cavalier about this, you would say, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. We're not going to be really impacted by this, uh, this COVID stuff. And the reality was uh, those people that didn't take it seriously ended up scrambling at the last minute. And that's where you see the panic driven events and the panic buying and, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, sure. People are going to need to floor more inventory. And, and I think that's going to change with uh, the market demands. I think we're going to see uh, things like, uh, you know, PPE and, and uh, you know, sanitary supplies. Uh, that's going to be, that's, that, that traditionally was a place where a lot of people economized. And uh, now we're seeing that wasn't really a good idea. So uh, not only is the inventory going to change, but I think manufacturing is going to change as well to, to pick up the slack and, and uh, make sure that there's always enough available. And then before I let you go, I just uh, want to get any final thoughts you may have on uh, you know, long lasting or permanent changes we may see come out of the pandemic. And, and just where do you see this industry uh, going you know, in the years ahead as we, as we uh, move forward and, and, and move beyond this? So everyone came out of this with a few bumps and bruises. And I think there's uh, going to be a lot of focus on making sure that protocols get tested a lot more. Uh, every company has a disaster protocol, but uh, when was the last time you tested it? And for a lot of people, this was the first time that they tested it all the way. And that obviously shouldn't be the case. But when we talk about where companies have traditionally economized, oh, I don't really need to disrupt everyone's weekend so that we can run through a disaster drill. You might need to now. And, uh, you know, I think it's starting to beg the question of, uh, you know, how companies spend money. And uh, that's going to be, uh, that's gonna be a, a continued point of focus for a lot of organizations is, well, you used to fly out there just to shake a few hands. Is that absolutely necessary? Uh, sometimes it is. If it's a, if it's a sales account and uh, they're up for a renewal, you probably need to spend a little bit of time with them. But if it's just your regular quarterly lunch and, uh, you know, that could uh, that could just be a phone call just to say hello and catch up. I think that 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 becomes an option now. Uh, and I think finally, companies are going to seek greater diversity in service offerings. Uh, you know, like I said, Odyssey 
is going to come out of this very well positioned and largely because we are a very diverse organization and we've done a lot of things to ensure that we're not just in one industry. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of companies now are going to realize, well, if I'm 100% in uh, one industry, well, what does that impact? And uh, what happens if that industry gets impacted by something like COVID? Yeah, that's all great advice and, and great food for thought. And I think that, you know, you're right, diversification and emergency planning uh, are really going to be much more at the at the forefront uh, moving forward. And, you know, this has been a really great conversation, but I think that's a good place to leave it. So uh, I just want to thank you again, Albert, for joining us and, uh, and sharing your insights. Thank you. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. How are third-party logistics providers adjusting their operations to meet the many challenges posed by COVID-19? And how will this crisis change supply chains in the long run? As we've heard from our guests, 3PLs have been relying on flexibility, nimble decision-making, and constant communication with customers and carriers to help deal with the disruptions caused by this pandemic. And looking ahead, advances in technology, such as artificial intelligence, could help logistics providers make further improvements in crisis management. Overall, the nation's freight transportation network has been remarkably resilient during the COVID-19 outbreak, and the lessons learned during this crisis should help the industry be better prepared for the next one. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.